That guy named John. Cool. The guy named John <laughs> does whatever a podcaster can. Hello and welcome back to the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbay, Podbean, every other podcatcher out there. On this episode, I am joined by the uh, returning from the Seven Seas. This guy named Steve. Hey, everybody. He just put his hands up like he was accepting an award, and this is an audio medium. Uh-huh. Uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about one huge movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, we're also going to talk about an independent film that is making the circuit, and also another independent project by Neil Blomkamp. Steve, I have a dream. Tell me your dream, John. My dream starts with theme song. <laughs> whole place is going down now. Because you're yelping you. <laughs> I got it. All right. So, uh, like I was saying, on, on this episode, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. But first, welcome back to the studio, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always nice to be here with the on-air sign smiling down from the rafters. Ah, yes. The large, illuminated sign. Mm-hmm. And not a tiny little sign that some people have seen on social media. Mm-hmm. That would just be ridiculous. No. Yeah. Yeah. What is this, some two-bit operation run out of the back room of some <laughs> pachinko bar? <laughs> right. I've never played pachinko. I've, I've seen it in Tokyo. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they have these huge pachinko parlors with mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of pachinko machines. And they also have music blasting in there. You know, like from the machines or like in no, the actual? No, in, in, uh, in the area. They're in the casino, for lack of a better Sheesh. word. It's, you know, Japanese pop played mm-hmm. at top volume with all the pachinko machines going. Yeah, I think it's meant to help you block out the outside world, honestly. <laughs> I think that sounds incredibly stressful. Yeah, yeah, but they love it. I mean, they people will sit there for hours and do it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, so, Steve, since it has been a while since you have been on here, uh, what have you been up to? I've been watching a lot of stuff. I saw mm-hmm. uh, Wonder Woman again last night. Again? With a friend. Yeah, awesome. yeah. She hadn't seen it before, and I said, yeah, this is pretty good. And she's not really into uh, superhero movies, but I said, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is a good one. And she, she was looking forward to seeing it. And uh, I liked it just as much as the first time. Mm-hmm. The things that bother me still bother me. But, you know, right. it's, it's just like uh, coming back on a trail. It goes faster on the way back. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's the same with watching a movie like this again. It went faster, and the parts that sort of drug for me uh, went uh, were better. Okay. Because I knew what to expect. And I could say, okay, well, get back to the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her, her comment at the end was, is Wonder Woman supposed to be a feminist movie? Because she's a superhero. So if women are equal in all respects, why does Wonder Woman have to be a superhero person? You know what I mean? Mm. She's more powerful than other women. Mm-hmm. So I said, eh, you know, it's a, it's a story, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't think they come out and say this is a feminist movie, mm-hmm. uh, but you can definitely take uh, take that from it, I think. Yeah. Powerful women. And we so. talked about it on that episode. It's like having strong, independent women is a very, very important to have mm-hmm. in movies mm-hmm. whether it wants to be labeled as feminist or not that is just a label mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the fact that a movie like that got made by a female director and is crushing it still mm-hmm. in theaters like it took a a bit of a drop off which all of them do mm-hmm. but i think so far and i meant to look up look this up earlier but i think it is still beating batman vs superman and all of those wow. in just box office numbers so far so hollywood take note mm-hmm 
Just, <laughs> you can do this. Yeah. My friend said, Gal Gadot's really pretty. So, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, yeah. If aliens were to come down and they're like, what do human females look like? <laughs> Just point to her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, she is flawless. But again, not only is she physically beautiful yeah she's a great actress she has her own agency yeah like it, it was not just another one of those characters that happens all the time where it is like here is a pretty slash beautiful face we gave her nothing to do right yeah. so in this one it was the opposite so yeah mm -hmm. nice other than that what about what else i've been binging a few things on hulu rick and morty i ah, binged mm -hmm. and uh it took me a little bit to get into it the Same early ones you're just kind of like i don't really like this guy <laughs> he's kind <laughs> of a jerk but he continues to be a jerk uh and no one is really likable let's be honest mm -hmm. uh you know the father is is um kind of crazy he's kind of yeah and just sort of impotent you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course uh morty is dumb and yeah. we <laughs> real dumb you know a little bit later we learn why rick takes him on all these adventures mm -hmm. um which was which was pretty every morning every morning needs a rick yeah yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite episodes though is the one with uh mr meeseeks i love it uh so basically you can uh summon this creature to help you solve a problem but if you give it too vague of a problem <laughs> like uh, i need to take a couple strokes off my golf game mm -hmm. Uh, problems may occur. <laughs> yeah. And then Mr. Meeseeks calls other Mr. Meeseeks. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this this creature ages quickly and starts to go insane if he doesn't solve your problem within mm -hmm. a few hours. And then he calls multiples and they start to go insane. And, I want to uh, die. Yeah, yeah. I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, pretty darn good. Rick and Morty, new episodes, July 30th, it sounds like. Um, so check that out for sure. I finally saw Get Out. Oh, nice. Loved it. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Deserving uh, of the praise, not only from this podcast, but of the other reviews and everything that you have heard. What, did it kind of live up to that? I haven't heard, I haven't read a lot of other people's reviews, uh, but you know, it reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode and mm -hmm. not in a bad way. Twilight yeah. Zone is great. Uh, that. I, I didn't see the twist coming. Mm. Um, I had suspicions, obviously, that something was going on. Right. And he was like, oh, these people aren't acting normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, the, probably the scariest scene in it is when he's out in front of the house and the guy is running straight at him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be terrifying to just be yep. in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden the guy is sprinting directly at you? Hashtag get out challenge uh, blew up Twitter and it was amazing. Oh, tell me about that. So the hashtag get out challenge was basically yeah you would just have people running at you and then take a sharp turn but leave it up to the amazing twitter sphere of black twitter it became just viral uh -huh. and like football teams were doing it people were doing it in salons like it was amazing mm -hmm. what was the uh you said the ending uh you know white people should really take note of the ending can we talk about that without? Uh, not really. No, because that would spoil yeah, it. I think it's okay. still too soon. We'll talk afterwards. Yeah. Um, what What exactly you wanted? What, what do you think people should take away from that? Yeah. I, I mean, the main thing that I said in that review, if you want to listen and go back a few episodes or sheesh, quite a few now, yeah, is movies like this and the general movie going audience is going to feel very uncomfortable. Oh, sure. Yeah. And that is okay. Like the party scene, basically, where yeah. everybody's talking about Tiger Woods. And mm -hmm. have you had that experience? Uh, more times than I can count. <laughs> uh, one just recently, actually, that I will tell you off air. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, just so people are going to feel uncomfortable in this movie. 
that is okay. Mm-hmm. You, Steve, because again, audio medium, you love going to art museums. You have been to art museums all over the world. Mm-hmm. Humble brag. Sometimes art makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And that is the type of art that when it sparks that, it that means it worked. Yeah. If you feel something, it worked. That's what I'm looking for in every movie. Did it make me mm-hmm. feel whatever that feeling is? Yeah. Yeah. Even if that feeling is sitting down that theater watching Get Out mm-hmm. and you feel uncomfortable and you feel like this feels wrong to me, totally valid. Yeah. You know, live your truth. But it, it hit that thing. It hit something that made you feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So excellent cast. They picked all mm-hmm. the right people, I think. And uh, all of the choices were believable as well. Yep. You're kind of like, why wouldn't he get out earlier than that? Mm-hmm. You know, but he's got his lady friend there and he wants to make it work. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Awesome. The, the Good Place. Have you seen The Good Place I yet? I have not. Starring Kristen Bell. Okay. That is why I have not seen Ted it. Ted Danson. <laughs> okay. Two people. Two reasons why I have well, not seen it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly... I agree with you on Kristen Bell. She's not my favorite actress in the mm-hmm. world, but uh, she's pretty funny in this. Is it, a, uh, is it just, a show or a movie? It's a show on NBC. Okay. I was watching it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And um, the concept is Kristen Bell dies and she goes to the good place. There's not really heaven and hell. There's the good place and the bad place. And there's no, it's not a Christian heaven. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all religions... They say in this, all religions got it about 5% right in their guess. Nice. There's one guy uh, in the 70s who got really high on mushrooms, and his friend said, what do you think happens when we die? And he went on this big monologue where he got 92% of it right, hmm. and his picture is on the wall in, in the <laughs> lobby of this heaven place, okay. you know what I mean? So they're like, yeah, he's pretty much a legend around here. Hmm. But anyway, so she's in the good place, and uh, she realizes that well immediately realizes reveals to us later that she's in the wrong place they show you your memories uh and she says well the name is correct but those aren't my memories and i never did any of these good things it turns out she was a real jerk back on earth but uh i'm about halfway through the series right now and it's it's clever it reminded me a little bit of kimmy schmidt not and and uh 30 rock clever not quite as fast and rapid fire right and not quite as clever as that but there's there's some funny lines in it and they're doing interesting things with this whole premise which is quite nice uh and um ted danson's surprisingly good okay he can be hit or miss for me yep but uh i would say if you need something uh that's not challenging you know what i mean Mm -hmm. if you need a a bubblegum sitcom for lack of a better word this is a good one which which again like Everybody needs, whether it is a TV show or a movie, mm-hmm. something to put on while you fold laundry, mm-hmm. something to put on while you are doing something else. Yeah. So this kind of fits that category. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And uh, finally, Better Call Saul just finished up that new season. It's really good. I I have been hearing that it is incredible. Yeah. I have been hearing that it is better than Breaking Bad. Uh, I don't know if you can compare the two, honestly. Yeah. It has the same feel, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely different arc. Yeah, I just... I gave it two episodes in season one and I was not really blown away. So I have not gone back, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, I keep hearing amazing things. It's really providing the connective tissue between, uh, where Saul Goodman got mm-hmm. his start in the world up to where he meets up with Walter White. Does anything feel, cause whenever they do these prequel type things, especially this is going on now three seasons. Mm-hmm. 
does it is it starting to feel forced is it starting to feel like they're trying to make those hooks and connections oh, I see what you're saying into breaking bad or is it still just its own thing no it doesn't seem forced i think okay. it it makes sense and it's developing organically to fit together with the other one i don't think they're going to um you know bring it flush to the events of uh breaking bad but uh some of the uh villains so to speak mm-hmm. in breaking bad uh like hector salamanca and nacho and those guys tuco is he back in this one tuco is in the first okay. season i think yeah uh and mike the ex-cop mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. works with uh fring the mm-hmm. chicken man uh everybody's in it so you see that better um uh, saul goodman had dealings with these guys before right that and so he was able to bring it in you see oh how did mike get uh, connected with fring and yeah yeah, hmm. and some of them are directed by Vince Gilligan, okay, who was of course the guy behind Breaking Bad, and uh, yeah, I'd recommend it if you run out of everything else <laughs> again. Right? No, no, it's good. It's good all the way through. Nice so far. Cool. Uh, well, that, <laughs> that that wraps it up for for what Steve has been up to on the first episode of the month. It is the time for new reviews that are on iTunes and Stitcher. Digga 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 digga. So iTunes reviews. <laughs> I was trying to think, and I was like, should I come up with a theme song for that? I got you covered. Who reviews? You review Bad. on iTunes. Where's the bell? <laughs> oh, the bell. <laughs> okay. Uh, now we can start the podcast. Okay. Should we start over? Okay, let's start yeah. over. <laughs> okay. So uh, on the first episode of every month, I read the new reviews that are on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to hear your review read aloud, go to Stitcher, go to iTunes, leave a review there. Uh, full disclosure, iTunes, I have talked about it before, iTunes is a dumb, broken system. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. So, if you leave a review on iTunes, I might not see it for a few days, if ever. So, take a screenshot, whatever, let me know about it. Stitcher, shout out to them, are awesome. Mm-hmm. You can leave a review on Stitcher without setting up an account, without really doing anything. It shows up right away. I see it right away. So what about Podbean? That one you made up. Uh, <laughs> those are real. Oh, Podbeans are real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, they're magical beans oh. that you take to become a better podcaster. Oh, wow. Yeah. I oh. lost mine. Yeah, I, was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. Shut up. <laughs> you, you sold it for a magic cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So on iTunes, there are three new reviews. First one uh, by Jay or at Jay. Nothing else. <laughs> Unique and entertaining podcast. Five stars. Love the overall concept of the podcast and enjoy it thoroughly. Had a great time listening to the gang play our game Hammered Heroes and enjoyed the fact that the podcast is willing to try new things and expand their review and subject matter. Shameless shout out to Hammered Heroes on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hammered Heroes. Meanwhile, you keep on rocking, John. So, yeah, definitely shout out to those guys who let us play Hammered Heroes on the episode uh, unfortunately, their Kickstarter did not meet their goal. You should absolutely go to their Facebook page and Twitter and follow them because they might be able to work out something in the near future. Mm-hmm. Kind of hoping for that. Uh, next review by Muggle Pictures Don't Move. That sounds familiar. I wonder why. <laughs> review two. Yes. Uh, solid content. Five stars. Amazing content. Thorough reviews. Gentle comedy. Oh. <laughs> and general geeky awesomeness. I give this podcast two thumbs way, way up. So the gentle Season comedy. 
yeah, I mean, as opposed to harsh comedy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then last one on iTunes is by <laughs> Albert Abel Esquire. Sounds real. Totally real. Uh, an aficionado of Geek Chic. Five stars. I had the distinct pleasure of meeting John at a cultural event in the Arts District of Vancouver, BC. Afterward, I truly enjoyed listening to his podcast. I'm hooked. He's insightful, knowledgeable, probing, a true renaissance man. Not to mention, he has the beard of legends. <laughs> Covering topics from pop culture, movies, the new golden age of television, web series, gaming, cocktails. He's an aficionado of geek chic. I look forward to meeting John again someday to discuss our favorite creature actor and unsung hero performer, Doug Jones. No doubt we'll toast him with a dark and stormy and old-fashioned in hand. After listening to more of John's podcast, I've decided, since Dos Equis replaced Jonathan Goldsmith with some wee lad, John is now, write this down kids, the officially the most interesting man in the world. So, Dos Equis, waiting for those tips. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Uh, and then... You've got some uh, literate reviewers there. I, I do. It's quite well written. And then where did the... Uh, let me pull up. Bah, 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 bah. Okay, so the only one on... Only new one on Stitcher right now uh, is by TC74. Five stars. My go-to podcast for movie reviews. John and his cast of rotating reviewers make me feel like I'm sitting with a group of friends talking about what they loved or hated about the big movies of the day or bringing up smaller ones I might have missed. I like how they make the reviews feel more conversational and casual rather than just a plot summary yeah. or listing off the high and low points, and I often look forward to them more than the actual films themselves. Wow. Uh, I love how they don't pull punches in their dissection of the films they dislike, but they usually try and find some positives as well and make pointed critiques rather than just trashing films in an attempt at comedy or coming off as people that just like bashing Hollywood. On the flip side, it is also great to hear them talk about films they enjoyed so I can get excited to see them or see if their opinions line up with my own mm -hmm. or maybe expand my understanding and appreciation of a film I have already seen. So I think that's what we shoot for is a conversational it, review. Yeah, it absolutely is. When I first had this idea for the podcast, it came from Tim and I, People's Critic, and other people like Steve and Dr. Andy, who you have heard on these episodes, we see a bunch of movies. We had these conversations anyway. So I was like, how about I get some mics and a recorder and put it out there? Yeah. So I'm really glad that that message comes across, that it is very conversational. Uh, so shout out to everybody who left reviews. Uh, I know who a couple of these are. I do not know who a couple of these are. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever get trolled? Uh, in fact, I had <laughs> I had my first troll on Twitter recently. That's how you know you've made it. Uh, yeah, I was really excited. I was legitimately excited. I took a screenshot of it and sent it to <laughs> to a group chat. Yeah, and I was like, guys, I, I have my first hater. Wow. And they were like, Do you care to share a little oh, yeah. bit of it? Yeah, okay. We'll get into that. Later. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was really excited. So, oh man. Again, thank you to everybody who left reviews. Uh, it really means a lot, and it helps out some sort of stupid algorithm that stupid iTunes does in its stupid program. Steve Jobs is rolling over in his grave as you say that. <sighs> so dumb. He put so much of his heart and soul no, into it. No, he really did not. He okay. told somebody to make a program, and they were like, do you want it to do anything productive? And he was like, yeah. nah. No. <laughs> nah. Just, just, just make it. Mm-hmm. So, cool. So, thank you again to all of those people who reviewed the show. Now, on to... 
the topics. Digga, 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 digga. The, what is that? That's the uh, <laughs> that's the news uh, sound that you hear when you go into a news story. You know, like imagine a sweeping graphic across, See, and then always... the title comes up. Digga, 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 wong. You know, like <laughs> current affair. No. Ah, okay. I think of like I stole it from Merlin. Dun dun dun. dun. Like, it, uh, what was the show in the '90s? Because we were old. Uh, when it had like coming at the screen, imagine if you will a typewriter. Or it had like a thing. It was it hard, not hard edition. Uh, when it was like the ball inside edition. It, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Or the ball would kind of like come forward and like a typeface would hit the screen. Right. Current affair. America's most wanted. It was definitely around that yeah, same time. Yeah. Like Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> like not all, that one, but yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the sound that accompanied that? But it was something like dun 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 dun, and it was okay. like this like more like uplifting newscaster type thing. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? let's workshop it. <laughs> hey, if you guys have any kind of uh, transitional music you want to share with mm-hmm. us, license free, that'd be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, until can... then, I'll keep going. Digga, digga, digga. <laughs> you can reach the podcast at abouttribute at gmail.com to send in all of your music choices. So mm-hmm. on to the movies that we're going to be reviewing. All right. So the first one is an independent film that is it just started making the festival circuit and we were fortunate enough to get uh, a screener copy of it mm-hmm. from my really good friend, Arun, who, uh, if you want to go back and listen to the Vancouver Short Film Fest episode, uh, I met him up in Vancouver. He is awesome. Him and Nicholas were producers on this film. And they were like, hey, this is Make the Festival Circuit. Do you want to see it? And I said, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I love independent cinema. I love not only independent cinema, but then when you know people who are involved in doing these amazing things, mm-hmm. and I just happen to have a platform where I can help them get their work out there, mm-hmm. it is one of the most rewarding things for me. And one of the coolest things that I have had the experience in doing on this on this podcast mm-hmm. is just being able to like, hey, how about we get to watch this movie that only a few people in a few select festivals have seen so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the film is called Cadence. Yes. And Steve, how about you set up what Cadence is all about? Cadence introduces introduces us to a girl named Cadence. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she is dating a Justin Bieber type guy whose mm-hmm. name is Taylor Lake. So he's famous, uh, a famous singer and dancer to many, many teenage girls. Uh, and Cadence is not a teenage girl. She's maybe just passed or maybe. right in there. Yeah. And... Uh, she is at her parents' lake house or vacation house. Uh, Taylor Lake, her boyfriend, is has just gotten off six months of tour, and he's coming to see her. Her parents are leaving, so they're going to have some alone time. Well, his <laughs> best friends show up, and one of them mm-hmm. is a real jerk. The other is maybe not as much of a jerk, but he's kind of a uh, uh, goofball. And um, bad stuff ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last third of the movie takes a time um twist mm-hmm. some something happens with the narrative yes and i don't want to give it away in as much as i understand it <laughs> which totally is not fair. as much as i hope to have understood it mm-hmm. but um uh yeah so that's a, that's a good setup so yeah it is a it is a bad psycholo- things happens at the house yeah and then 
in the well, we can talk about the last third a little bit later, but uh, we see some of the same events and some of the same mm-hmm. lines from the first two thirds of the movie, but the actions and the characters involved are different. But it plays with story in an interesting way. Yeah, the the narrative direction of this film. Uh, so we mentioned the producers, uh, Arun and Nicholas, uh, but the director is Alexander Lacheris. I hope I am pronouncing that right. He is also the writer. So he definitely took a very interesting narrative approach in that with any sort of layered storytelling where there are flashbacks or possibly flash forwards, you have to be clever about it and from the beginning. Because if it started going in a direction and then ends up in something weird, you can be okay with that as long as those steps that it took to get there make sense. Mm -hmm. So with this one, there are things that start happening in this psychological thriller <laughs> that you start to wonder like, okay, is she having night terrors? Yeah. Is, is the place is, haunted? Yeah. It does. Is she, does she have a brain para, a parasite, you know, because she starts to see things mm-hmm. and we see things in the background happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't seem to react to some of the things, other things, uh, you know, f- for example, she thinks she's holding one thing and then she looks down and it's another thing. Yeah. Uh, and that can cause some bad results for yep. sure. But we don't know if we're going crazy. She's going crazy. The place is haunted. And the last third, I guess, is meant to clear that up. But um, uh, I still have questions. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I, I think that is 100% valid. Um, and there are, there are some scenes in the movie where there would be something happening in the background near the, the main cast of characters but nobody either notices or nobody interacts with it. There are other times when that happens where then cadence would be like, what was that? And then there are scenes when two people start to notice something. There's a scene in a truck mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, cadence and Taylor are, are in there and an ax scrapes against the window. Yeah. And, it, and we they both been... react to that. Exactly. But then the two jerk guys show up the, uh, what for lack of a better word, the bully and his mm-hmm. friend, uh, because he is kind of a, he's a jerk. He's a kind of oh, a jerk. Yeah, for sure. They show up and shoot paintball. So they go, oh, it must've been the paintballs, but where's the ax? And then wherever the ax is becomes a big point mm-hmm. of contention and question. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was interesting. We had been so programmed in that first, you know, maybe first act. This was just her. She was just kind of saying things. So to see a second person react, then your brain starts going, okay, what else is happening? And so it just, it, it was a very interesting choice mm-hmm. and he not only made the choice, mm-hmm. Alexander, the director, he stuck with it. And mm-hmm. I think that showed a lot of restraint because mm-hmm. it easily could have gone off the rails and just gone in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. In that last third, do magical things happen in the sense that what she thought she had in front of her is not the same. You know, is she hallucinating for lack of a better word mm-hmm. or does that hallucination and perhaps supernatural stuff, does that happen in the first two thirds of this movie? I think so. There, there are some parts of this that where she, and it's, and we don't, it's tough to talk about it, yeah. this. Like I'm, I'm trying to put myself <laughs> in the place of the listener mm-hmm. and I don't know if we've done a good enough job laying the groundwork of this to help people follow along. But, um, uh, it's, it's a trip. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> Oh, it definitely is a trip. Yeah. I'll say this though. When you have a dream, 
-hmm. and it's a traumatic dream, sometimes your brain is trying to work out what's going on in your real life by introducing some of those same elements. You know, a person in your dream might say something to you that your mean boss said earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, or... Uh, if you made some sort of mistake, you dropped the bowl of sugar or something, you know, you could see that same thing in your dream mm-hmm. in a different form. So I think that might be what's going on because we see a lot of the same events, but in a different way, sort of yeah. remixed with maybe different metaphors, but a lot of the same characters. So that's my running theory is that there's some dream going on. Maybe the first two thirds is the dream and the other one third is uh, reality, mm-hmm. but there's also something going on with fantasy about Taylor Lake, the yeah. the Justin Bieber character. I, you had a good theory. I don't know if you want to extol upon that or if that's spoilers, but you know, there's a lot of young girls that love this guy Taylor Lake, mm-hmm. and they imagine they want to be with him and what it would be like, and then uh, how would they cope if something went wrong with with him? Yeah. So I I think that, and again, like th- this is one of those tough movies where not only is it would this be tough to talk about without going to spoilers if this were a major release and you could see it next week? This is an independent film that hopefully, you know, will start making the wider festival circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the crux of it, I think what it really boils down to is just this psychological thriller about this young girl struggling with either reality as she perceives it or non-reality <laughs> that is reacting to her. And so, like, the creepy imagery in it, I mean, this was a a dark movie. And I say that because some of the scenes that take place at night were, were visibly dark. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when you do night shoots and whatever, you want to kind of crank it up a little bit. This one, that kind of made it even creepier. What do you mean crank it up? Then the lighting. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, when it was, when a scene was taking place at night. Yeah. It was significantly darker. Yeah. And not only was it significantly darker, but the musical choices were very evident because there were large sections, especially at night, with no music. Mm -hmm. With Mm -hmm. any sort of psychological thriller, the music is what kind of drives you to those points, whether it is classics like Psycho Mm -hmm. that just kind of ramp up, ramp up into this huge crescendo, you know, and then just hit you with it. With this, with watching a psychological thriller without having that undercurrent, to tell you where it is going, I think made it more suspenseful and more creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. So that, that was another just really good choice by this whole creative team, whoever decided that. With independent films, I'm always worried about the acting. Mm-hmm. You know, if the acting <laughs> seems stiff, especially these B-movie military films, mm. of which there are 10,000 of them, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to get some rubber guns and you, right. you're in a abandoned warehouse <laughs> and you're right. able to say, oh, the aliens are attacking and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Acting is usually bad in this. But uh, Cadence, mm-hmm. the acting's quite good and it's it's uh, shot in a compelling way and I have a lot of good things to say about it, but I, I wish I had fewer questions coming out of it. I'm a smart guy, right, John? Cricket. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I've seen a million movies and mm-hmm. it's... Uh, I, I feel like I should have been able to draw better conclusions from it. And I paid I paid attention. I actually watched the last third twice. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, th- some of the other uh, good points about it, uh, the thing, one of the other things it does well, especially being an independent movie, all of the scenery, all of the location shooting was around kind of one area. It was a large area, which is good. And there were multiple shooting locations. But it kept it 
in the same area. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of independent features, especially, they try and just overshoot, which I get. They have this amazing idea and they want to go all these places. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. Understand your resources and use those resources to the best of your abilities. Mm -hmm. And this film did. I mean, the stuff in the house was great. They were on the porch. They were in fields. They were in the woods. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the cinematographers or cinematographer assistants uh, was also Gregory Brown, who I also met in Vancouver. Great guy. So it was just, when the music was there, it was good. The scenery was was solid. Yeah, there there were some threads that mm-hmm. I kind of wish had been pulled a little bit further that we might be able to see a little bit more behind the curtain yeah. to get a little bit more explanation. It's like with primer slash primer. You know, it's mm. it's a confusing time travel movie. Mm-hmm. But if you come out of it after one viewing and say, I didn't get it, mm-hmm. is that on you or is that on them or a little of both? And even with big budget movies like Inception, I personally have watched Inception <laughs> more than a few times. Yeah. And that is a, and like some of the times I'm like, okay, this and this makes sense. I watch it again. I'm like, wait, no, oh. this and this do not make sense because if this makes it, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, you start spiraling. Sure. Um, but yeah. So uh, again, big, big shout out to Arun Fryer, one of the producers, um, to Alexander Lacheres, the director, to cinematographer Gregory Brown, uh, Anna. She is awesome. Uh, she was one of the crowdfunding people behind this film. So, and this film already kind of picked up some awards in the festival circuit. It won the Must See BC Award of the Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, Amanda Burke, she won, or she was nominated for a Leo recently for Best Supporting Performance by a Female. Mm-hmm. It took second place at the Green Bay Film Festival. So, and at Cinequest, it was also nominated. So, it is it is making the rounds, and so far it is getting some great accolades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for us... Even though this is an independent feature, that does not save it from the greatest rating system on any podcast wow, ever. Wow, wow. Uh, wow, wow, wow. You're not going to get a cease and desist order. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so when it comes to rating movies and TV shows and video games and everything else that we review on this podcast, you have three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. Uh, one of these days, maybe at episode 100... I will stop explaining the rating system on every episode because at that point, maybe I will feel like everybody knows it until then mm-hmm. <laughs> I will explain it on every episode. A good movie uh, is a movie that you, you enjoyed. You would recommend to a friend. Uh, it could also be the best movie you have ever seen a bad movie. It was all right. You know, it was, it tried its best maybe, but it was still not fantastic An ugly avoid at all costs. Steve, since you set up cadence, what would you give Cadence uh, from the glorious land of Canada? Speaking of which, happy 150th birthday, Canada. Hey! Yeah, even though First Nations have been there for hundreds of years. But anyway, happy 150th birthday. Mm-hmm. First of all, about your cease and desist worries. If the <laughs> estate of Sergio Leone is listening <laughs> to your podcast, I that's can, a good thing. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I consider that a win. Yeah, yeah. This is a tough one. I, mm-hmm. Again, well acted, well shot. I um, I like time travel movies and I like uh, dream movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, 
I think I have to give it a bad just because it doesn't quite wrap up the narrative in a way that I was able to understand it. <laughs> it's hard to say that. I mean, cause it's, it, it, it's a little bit of emperors not wearing any clothes. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it. Some would say emperors, new clothes, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. But you know, am I not getting it mm-hmm. again? Same question. So, uh, I don't feel like I was able to get it. And uh, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, but it was well done. I think if you want a challenge and if you mm. want to uh, call me out on Twitter, say, you idiot, it's <laughs> obviously this. Um, I would absolutely watch this again and uh, and enjoy it with this new take in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so marginal bad. Okay. So that, that totally makes sense. I was also on the cusp of, of good and bad because some of this I really enjoyed. I thought some of the scenes were were really great and they're really well acted. The mom in this, uh, I want to make sure I get her name. Amanda Burke uh, played Cadence's uh, mother. She was great. Mm-hmm. She is not in it as much as, as the other cast members. But when she was on screen, she was pretty captivating. Mm-hmm. Uh, she cries. <laughs> A lot. Mm-hmm. But when the camera was just a steady shot on her and you start to see her eyes kind of glass over before a tear rolls, mm-hmm. that was captivating. Like that was, it was just one of those moments where I was like that. And it sounds super cliche or whatever. Like that is acting mm-hmm. when you know that there's a camera two feet away from you and you have to look to the side and let that moment happen and let it wash over you and portray it. Mm-hmm. Huge win. My uh, favorite actor was, Taylor Lake's friend who is a jerk. I think his name is JJ because, because that is a really hard Uh, role. Bullies. I think you're like Casey was the the main one. Okay. Uh, JJ was his, his friend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, uh, because that's a hard role to do. Anytime you're a bully or a jerk, uh, it's easy to overdo it, especially mm-hmm. in high school settings. This is not a high school setting that we were watching. It's like late teens but, though. Yeah. Like with flash in uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man series, you can't you can't just be an overt jerk and do something jerky, high five your friends. Like that's been done and it feels <laughs> terrible every single mm-hmm. time because like that's not how they really act. Uh but he had layers to his performance where mm-hmm. sometimes he's on her side, you know, he's making fun of her, but he's like, Oh come on, I'm just uh no you know, I'm just a goofy guy, I'm just messing around, you know. Uh but then he would do something really jerky and then he'd mm-hmm. go back. And that's how a real jerk would act yeah you know he he wants to guilt you into taking his side and then he betrays you again and back mm-hmm. and forth so uh i thought he played it really well and uh the script was was perfect in the way that it was written so yeah, yeah that, for him that, that was kind of one of the other maybe not knocks on this film that i had but other than cadence for the most part and her mom nobody is likable in this film <laughs> all of the guys in this film all the young guys Taylor, Casey, JJ mm-hmm. are all terrible people. Like Taylor, they, really? Taylor, I mean, Taylor was not terrible. Uh, that is a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but Casey and JJ, not to be confused with Casey and JoJo, um, it they were just they were just mean and they were uh-huh. just jerks, and it was hard to kind of. And again, like for the bully character, for the mean person, you're not really meant to empathize with them. Yeah, but it was to the point where I was like. These people are terrible. Why are they in your life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but again, that could be a success. 
you know, for that character when it made me feel something. It made me feel like, why are you still around these people? They are mm-hmm. bad people. Yeah. But I could see everyone involved with this movie going on to do greater and greater things. Yeah. So back to my reading. So it, it was kind of on the cusp of, of good and bad for those things that we talked about. Um, I would kind of bump mine up to, to good uh, because it is something that I think I will watch again. And I think, like Steve said, I will watch it again with some different viewpoints, some different ideas going into that second time. Mm-hmm. I might not do that with a bad film, mm-hmm. but I will do that with this film because it intrigued me enough to try and put more pieces together. Yeah. So, yeah. Good job, uh, everybody at the team for Cadence, which is making the festival circuit. I will put all of their information in the show notes below. Yes, Steve. He has his hand up like we're in first grade and only I can see it. (laughs) (laughs) Heads down, thumbs up. Let's play seven up. Oh, that was a great game. Yeah. And you were trying to watch for somebody's shoes to see if you recognize Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm. I mean, not that I did that because I would be cheating. No, yeah, you wouldn't want to cheat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Later on, we learned that's how the teacher got us to shut up for once. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Did you guys have SSR? No, what is that? Silent Sustained Reading. No. That was a program in, in my elementary school. Where it was it was hyped up to be this thing like, hey, everybody, at 1 o'clock, it is going to be SSR time. Mm-hmm. Expecting us to be like, cool, books. Like, what? No, you just wanted us to shut up and read books while you actually graded our stuff. Yeah. It makes total sense. But it was like, come on now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say one more uh, good thing about Cadence, which is they paced it really well. Mm-hmm. Meaning there are times where... Uh, Taylor and Cadence are being romantic and then uh, there's you know more of an action scene and then there's a whole slow-mo part in the middle that must cover several days where the group is just having fun with each other and mm. it's it's uh, um, it really varies the pace which is important mm-hmm. and I think they really got that um, and also at one point they're going through the forest on motorcycles in the dark and there's uh, no sound or it, yeah. they change the sound of it. Um, I think there's a lot of talent behind it. Yeah. yeah I want to see was, what they do next. Yeah. That was one of the things that I wrote down on my notes also is that in that scene in particular, there's some really nice electronic music that oh, was, yeah. that was different from the rest of the film. Yeah. But it made sense. Like it, it worked the dancing lights kind of in the, in the dark. Yeah. They're just, yeah, really smart choices. Okay. So good job. Uh, moving along to another independent uh, release. Uh, This is the, and I say independent because (laughs) even though it is from a major studio director, this is his new independent project. Uh, Oats Studios by Neil Blomkamp is his new project. Neil Blomkamp, of course, from Elysium, Chappie, District 9. Love District 9. Yeah, I mean, Elysium gets a lot of hate, but I thought that was also really good. Chappie had some great moments also. Uh, So he really wanted to make a creative endeavor Mm -hmm. to make short films that actually have, you know, some solid work put behind them. Mm -hmm. So we talked about uh, the first one, which was Raka on episode a couple weeks ago. The new one just dropped and it is called Firebase. So Firebase takes place in Vietnam. Uh, 1970 is what one of the title cards says in this intense war situation because it was Vietnam. Like it was, it was bad. Um, and it takes place around this certain soldier who Steve very adequate or very adequately, very accurately <laughs> compared to solid snake, 
from, of course, the Metal Gear Solid video game franchise. Um, and it, it so it kind of the story is told through that one soldier's viewpoint um, of what is going on around him in this craziness of Vietnam at this time. Yeah. So, Steve, since uh, I'm not sure if you saw Rocket, but I, since you got a chance to see this, what did you think of the visual style of Firebase? Pretty good. At times, it did delve into the, what I said before, the B-movie mm-hmm. uh, military stuff. If you don't get it right, it feels really wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason. Um, I, I have to admit, though, I haven't seen this all the way through. I, I totally forgot that I was supposed to watch it. Sorry, John. Rude. But uh, <laughs> you before think... we started, before we started rolling, I uh, I saw a couple mm-hmm. pieces here and there. I won't be able to give it a good, bad, or ugly because I just haven't seen it as a full. Sorry. All right. But uh, the makeup looks amazing. Mm-hmm. The CG looks amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, just at first blush, it looks pretty good to me. It's already gotten almost 800,000 views, so people are oh, quite serious. excited about and it, it dropped, on YouTube. So we were recording on Sunday. It dropped when? Like Wednesday or something? Uh, let me see here. Published on June 28th, so that was four days four ago. Four days ago. Yeah. So 800,000 views. You know, it is a 26-minute, 25 and some change minute uh, short film, and it is similar. What is it about? So it is about... Uh, like I was saying before, this this soldier who craziness is happening around him, like all of Vietnam was, but there starts to be this underlying current of possibly an alien, possibly supernatural, supernatural something happening, something river else. River God, can we say river yeah, God? Yeah, river God. Um, and so the CIA kind of comes in and is telling us the story, okay, of what is happening. To the soldier that then is the major focus. So that was not a, it was it was clever. It was it was a nice way to have the soldier going through this, seeing all the craziness, and then having someone within that context being like, "This is what happened here." I was just watching someone's skin fly off of their face. Oof, that happens a few times. Uh, full disclosure for those listening who, after I recommended watching Raka, I got some feedback, and they were like, "This was pretty gory." Raka was gory and it was alien gory. So yeah, there was blood. It was like black and green and whatever. This is gory as in Vietnam gory where humans are kind of getting flesh torn away uh, in a few different scenes. So this is, and there is a warning as soon as you start this short film mm-hmm. that says mature audiences, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is pretty graphic. Okay. Um, but it was graphic w- it was not graphic like hostile or not graphic like some of those movies. It was graphic as like you see someone in a hospital bed kind of getting their <laughs> flesh peeled away. <laughs> but there, there's a cognitive dissonance. It still looks a little bit fake. And so that, at least to me, I was like, all right, you know, that is not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so one of the huge things that I liked about this film is that it goes back to that person in the movie or person in the universe talking about what happened so there's a scene that focuses on one of the people in a hospital bed and he has been badly badly burned by napalm which was a terrible weapon (laughs) that they used during vietnam uh so he's this american soldier talking about what happened to his platoon and it was brutal because not only is he talking about it then it starts going to like a flashback of what he saw both in the desert or sorry in the jungle and then 
a different vision he has. So the makeup effects were great because again, it could veer into that B movie. This mm-hmm. is a this is an independent short film only available online. I saw the scene you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. The makeup looks great. And I yeah. think the CG of the creature looks really good. Mm-hmm. And there is a Transformers type element in this for like two minutes with the same person that we were talking about in the hospital room having this vision of this horrible situation. That two minutes of a Transformers type thing was better than two and a half hours of Transformers the last night. I will never stop talking about how terrible that movie was. Mm, mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> now, I know you don't like video games that involve military stuff that's too real. Mm-hmm. You, you don't like Call nope. of Duty. You nope. don't like Battlefield. Uh, does it bother you when you see Vietnam, this Vietnam um, slaughter going on uh, and the craziness of both sides? Very much so. It bothers so you. So I have a really hard time with modern war movies, modern war games, modern war TV shows. It feels too real. It feels too soon. With Vietnam especially, that Vietnam was the first war. It's just a tragedy. Yeah. Where where people were watching it on the news as it was happening. With World War One mm-hmm. and World War Two, when you go back and watch some of the propaganda newscasts and they're like, help out your soldiers, buy war bonds, blah, blah. Because they were getting the reels and then editing them, whatever. Vietnam, when you watch the 10 o'clock news, mm-hmm. that was what would happen that day. Mm-hmm. So Vietnam is, is a different kind of beast. So They sure learned their lesson after that one, didn't they? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, but I did not have as hard a time with this as I did with something like uh, Forrest Gump or something where the Vietnam scenes were really, Realistic. really intense. Uh-huh. This, I mean... It was Vietnam. There were still some atrocities happening, but it was it was different. Okay. Um, and I think the alien slash supernatural element <laughs> helped that cognitive dissonance. Okay. Is that the main um, slant of this movie or the main... What is the question they're trying to answer? What is the goal of this hero? Is he trying to figure out what this creature is and stop it? Or is he... Yeah, I think it is part... Is there a twist? There is, because you kind of learn in this 26 minutes... That there's something special about him. There's something uh, different about him. His that, arm is screwed up. He's got a weird arm. Uh, no. No, okay. Uh, you're thinking of Cable from X-Men. <laughs> and, um, well, but also District 9. Yeah, And true. Miyazaki's. Okay, go on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you find out there's something about him that makes him different and unique that then they want him to then go against this other particular enemy. Uh-huh. So Neil Blomkamp... I still do not know, now that there are two of these, if these are going to be connected, mm-hmm. if these are just going to be purely independent things, but I do not care. Give me more of them, Neil Blomkamp. Did you like the first one? I did. Like, the first one was great. The name again? Raka. Raka. And it starred Sigourney Weaver. What? Um, this one does not have an immediate um, name that people are going to attach to, but... That is okay. It is still a solid firebase. Yeah, it's still a solid story. Okay. So yeah, uh, so that is it is still part of volume one of this Oats Studios production. Uh, first one was Raka. This is Firebase. He seems to be dropping these every couple weeks. So care to t- uh, take a guess? <laughs> I sounded like Rick for a minute. <laughs> care to take John? John. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> care to take a guess? Uh, how many views? Uh, Raka has had on YouTube. It's like a wild. Oh, okay, it's more than you think. Three million. Oh, 
It's less than you think. Oh. 2.7 at this point. Awesome. And it's been out for two weeks. So, uh, wow. Yeah, this is going to be a nice venture <laughs> for him. Yeah. And you can actually, um, if you go on, and I will link this below, to oatsstudio.com, uh, you can actually support their production. So he already is planning on doing five of these short independent films. Mm-hmm. And he he's just putting the call out there like, hey, if you guys like these things that we're doing, yeah, help out. Like we, we want to keep doing these little things. That is awesome because it is not like these major studios who are like, hey, help crowdfund my thing. Yeah. This is someone obviously doing something very different, doing something short format, which takes a whole different skill set. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I will put the link below to that. This one is Firebase. Uh, Steve cannot actually rate it because he has not seen it. I initially did not rate Raka because I thought they were going to all be tied together. So I was going to wait. But retroactively, uh, Raka gets a good. Firebase gets a good. I want to see more of these. I want to see where they go. I want to see what happens. If they're going to be connected, if they are not, if they're just going to be vignettes, do not care. So, yeah, another another big success uh, for Neil Blomkamp. Uh, the other video that he did with Oat Studios that he dropped recently is this weird infomercial for the Damasu 950, which is this infomercial style uh, video where it shows a guy in the kitchen setup, you know, and man and woman, just like a lot of the old Ron Popeil infomercials. Any former insomniacs like myself watch those a lot. Uh, and he pulls out this, or pulls a curtain, a little sheet off of this Damasu 950, which is a chainsaw with like 16 other knives on it. And he's like, how hard is it to cut this block of cheese for guests? And he's like trying to like, oh, it's ridiculous. So he takes out this like ripcord chainsaw and attacks this block of cheese to the horror of the guests. Like it is Swiss army chainsaw, basically. basically. <laughs> and it is like three minutes long. Wow. So I will link to that also. Okay. I just, I like when big directors like this, cause he could do, and I'm sure he will yeah. do some other big things, but to just stay independent and just do your own stuff is, is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Oats Studios and Firebase. I will link that below. You got a good from me and nothing from Steve, even though he liked it. Cricket, cricket, uh, cricket. <laughs> uh, and before we lead into the big uh, review that we will be doing about the latest movie coming out this weekend. Uh, something's happening. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Before we get into that. Uh, Steve, Is it my birthday? No. Um, <laughs> Steve sent a really fascinating article. Uh, with a video that we both watched and he wanted to talk about on the episode. So, Steve, <clears> kick <throat> off why you sent that article. What is the article? Tell me all about it that I already watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll put it in your show notes. You'll, you'll send out a link. Okay. So, it was an article on Polygon. Yes, thank you. Polygon. And it was a video that shared some concerns that Marvel is getting too jokey Mm -hmm. and not taking themselves seriously enough to have maximum impact. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought the video was uh, very convincing because they showed clips from like Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. where Doctor Strange puts on his sentient cape in a Mm -hmm. scene where he's accepting his responsibility as a superhero and the cape 
sort of hits him in the face and he goes, oh, stop it. So yeah. it uh, was taking away that big dramatic element. He showed a clip from uh, 2002 Spider-Man where uh, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The 40-year-old Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. <laughs> Never bothered me, but it really bothers John. <laughs> Too old. But anyway, he in the scene, and it takes place at about the same time code as it does in Doctor Strange. About 78% away through the movie. There you go. Uh, Tobey Maguire is accepting his role as Spider-Man, and he has this big dramatic moment where he clutches his fist and he drops looks into the yeah he's like Mm -hmm. now i am spider-man and they don't do a joke Mm -hmm. and it has i agree much more dramatic power and uh wonder woman did a good job according to this guy and you know there's there are jokes and there's humor in it but they don't feel the compulsion to lay on a joke at every moment in time now Guardians of the Galaxy, he mentioned, mm-hmm. as uh, really laying on the jokes pretty thick, even during dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. But it kind of fits for that. And Deadpool, it also fits for that, too, for sure. because it's very meta. And it's very thing. But he's saying, we need to really be careful about Avengers. And uh, he mentioned the Joss Whedon connection, where mm-hmm. Joss Whedon says, make it tough, make it exciting. Okay, I'm getting this wrong. But, you right. know, make it make it heavy, make it. Uh, except, oh, whatever. I, I don't remember exactly the three things, yeah. but he says, make it tough. Mm-hmm. But, but for God's sake, tell a joke. Mm-hmm. And he really did a good job with that on the Avengers that he was involved with. Uh, but now as he has um, not been involved with these Marvel movies, they're trying to do that same style. And sometimes they succeed, sometimes they don't. And the view expressed in this video is, Pump the brakes a little bit. Yep. We don't need a joke every single time. Mm-hmm. Well, it was one of the things where that was a big complaint with the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where you have Ronan the Accuser, you know, in the third act, about to do this crazy thing, and the tension is building, the music is building, and he was like, what are you doing? And it goes over, and he was like, dance off, bro. And it immediately was just like, wait, what? Like, it was just, it was such a just harsh jump cut almost Mm -hmm. to humor that it can take you out of this what should be a really intense moment yeah so i liked the video um i forgot the guy who who put it together uh but i will i will link it below Mm -hmm. but i mean he brings up really good points like trust your audience like if you if you think that with this cloak of levitation going around his shoulders and this doctor strange clip looking in the mirror when the cape kind of wipes away some of the blood on his face like why do we need that like, why did you feel the need to break up that particular dramatic moment mm-hmm. with humor? Mm-hmm. And he talks about, like, do they do it for the kids who are watching this? Right. But even so, like... It feels more like millennials. You know, everything needs to be pointed at. Not everything yeah. needs to be pointed yeah. at, you know? Yeah. There was a quote that he said, um, if your story is sincere enough, mm-hmm. nothing is cheesy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, like you can have those cheesy moments and that is okay. Yeah. Uh, in the, in wonder woman, in the alley scene, which I talked about, which I absolutely loved huge nod to Richard Donner's Superman. Mm-hmm. There are funny moments within that, mm-hmm. but it was after the scene where she earned it. Right. Like where, where that scene earned that comedic moment. A lot of times in Marvel and he points out some good examples in the video, they don't really earn it. It is just kind of there. Mm hmm without that sincerity. Like yeah. if you have this big crescendo to 
an intense moment, let that moment happen. Let us let it resonate with us. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next scene, do something humorous. But so it was, yeah. I really liked the video. The video was like 10 minutes. So I will absolutely link it below and share it on social media because it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. One of his good points is they do humor because it's easier in a sense. I mean, if the drama doesn't land, it mm-hmm. really seems cheesy. Uh, but it's easier to do a joke and get a laugh and uh, but it can negate what might otherwise have been a dramatic moment. Yeah. I agree. Trust your audience and uh, just trust that you have a powerful moment and just mm-hmm. let it let it lay there. It's OK. Yeah. <laughs> one of my <laughs> one of my favorite moments in Civil War when it comes to the joking aspect towards the end of the film, you see uh, T'Challa, Black Panther uh, at his car. And Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, comes up. And one of uh, T'Challa's head guards, one of the members of the Dora Malaysia, one of his bodyguards, this fierce black woman just stands up, or already standing, walks up. And Scarlett Johansson was like, I need to see him. And she was like, move, or I'm going to make you move. Mm-hmm. And you see T'Challa, and he says, as entertaining as that would be, blah, 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 and goes on with this thing. Like, that mm-hmm. moment, like, that was hilarious. Because it was sincere. Yeah. It, it was a moment where he was like, this could go down right now, but let me, like, it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the Marvel movies and a lot of the examples that he uses, it just is kind of weird. Like, in the middle of a fight in Civil War, mm-hmm. where you possibly are fighting for your life, you still have time for quips and you still have time for all these things. Like, when Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye are fighting, he was like, are we still friends? Like, depends on how hard you hit me. Like, really? Like, is that, would you be having that conversation in real life if this was, you know, this big thing? Yeah. What we're talking about is tone shifts. If Mm -hmm. the tone shifts too dramatically and too often, Mm -hmm. it can really shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. But I have to say, I really liked the humor in the next movie we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. So... I'm undercutting my own point a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, because they, it really, it's genuinely funny. It is, but very they need funny. to be careful about doing it too much. Yep. So just thing. sounds good. Uh, <laughs> professional. Okay, go on. So uh, that was the the video, and the video is actually titled uh, "How Marvel Is Hurting Itself with Humor" on Polygon.com. Yeah, that is the name of the article. The video is "What Writers Should Learn from Wonder Woman." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. uh, that was, that was that. And it, it kind of leads into, uh, my recent, uh, foray into the world of trolls Oh, uh, because the video, as I watched it, it could kind of come off a little bit like a DC fanboy being like, well, this is how DC did it better than Marvel, blah, blah. In reality, it was a completely like objective thing. It was like, yeah. this worked in Wonder Woman and this is why. Yeah. And he, he, he acknowledges that DC went too far on the serious side, mm-hmm. especially with Superman. And yeah. know, Batman, it makes a little sense. Mm-hmm. But if you do it with Superman, it's too too far. Yeah. Uh, but he just says we got to find a good medium. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, because as, as with a lot of critics, uh, eventually <laughs> we, get, we get told. I can't wait to hear um, No, you're just Marvel fanboys or... DC pays you to leave these reviews. 
First of all, if any major studio is writing <laughs> checks to reviewers, uh-huh. I have not gotten any. Uh, yeah, so yeah. anyway, so I had put up a picture on Twitter saying, uh, just got out of the advanced screening of Spider-Man. First impression, Tom Holland is the Spider-Man we have been waiting for. That was it. Uh, no official review for the movie or anything. Uh, and another fellow critic of mine was like, Holland is perfect here. Couldn't agree more. Random person, I have zero interest in this trash. Marvel sucks. <laughs> and it was just like, okay. like it was just, But I mean, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah. oh, wow. Somebody actually noticed me and like trolled me for a second. So I took a screenshot of it. It was hilarious. Uh, Went back and forth with the guy a little bit. Oh, you're arguing on the internet. Um, you're not supposed to do that, John. Well, because I replied with just, cool story, bro, uh, with the cool gif. And then he was like, keep praising god-awful Marvel trash. You probably loved Transformers. <laughs> Which, like, how far have we come when that is the insult? Like, you probably love Transformers. Like, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Transformers was seriously one of the worst movies I have ever seen and will yeah. ever see. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was adorable. Because all too often, yeah. this guy, I'm sure, I've not checked the YouTube comments on his video because I try not to, I guarantee somebody is like, you're just a DC fanboy, blah, blah. Who cares? Bring up good points, yeah. and it does not matter. Yeah. So the fact that I put up a picture saying Tom Holland was great, yeah. and somebody was like, blah, Marvel sucks. It is just, <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> and he hasn't even seen the movie yet. Yeah. Like, yeah. So He's got a point. You are a DC fanboy. Well, I mean, as we are in the studio. And the or a Marvel fanboy. You're an X-Men fanboy. No, well, I mean... We look to our my left. There's a giant Superman poster. Mm-hmm. We look further to the left. There's a giant glass case filled with Superman, Superman stuff. Memory. Yeah, that's what I said. You're a DC fan. Uh, but there's some Spider-Man behind you and literally thousands of comic books. Well, Nightcrawler's right above my head. Um, what has he been doing? Yeah, he bamfed in here. It smells oh, like yeah. brimstone. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just I, that cracked me up. So just like. Uh, yeah, it was my first troll. So let me ask you, what was Russell Crowe in besides the Mummy uh, recently? Because this is part of the the video I'm watching. Mm-hmm. It's one of the superhero hero movies. Uh, Russell Crowe is having a date with a woman, and he spits a drink on her. Oh, no. uh, the Nice Guys. It was, oh. it, was, it was not a superhero movie. It was ah, the Nice Guys. Ah, okay, that's why I didn't recognize it. Yep. Okay, great, great movie from last year. Haven't seen it yet. All right, yeah. looking forward to it's it. Good. Don't like Russell Crowe that much, but I can give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, again, I will link the video below. Uh, it's worth watching because it's, it's thought-provoking. Yeah. I mean, and he makes good points, which you should be able to have your thoughts and beliefs challenged in a, in a po- in just in a way where it makes you think like, okay. Yeah. So Just don't ever read comments. <laughs> oh, man. I, try and, I, I really yeah. try and avoid those. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So, leading into uh, the new movie, which is in theaters. I forgot to look at the actual release date. <laughs> um, I think it is soon. It is not in theaters yet. Um, it will be officially released uh, Thursday, July 6th. So, this week, you're listening on Wednesday. Uh, it comes out in your neck of the woods very soon, within 24 hours. Um, Get in line. Why get in line? This is 2017. <laughs> oh, right. Like, the internets. Uh, All right. So the movie is Spider-Man Homecoming. Before we get into that movie, yeah. 
Spider-Man has had a myriad of <laughs> TV shows and movies. All of them good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I disagree. Uh, Steve kind of powered through like a trooper, powered through some intros yeah. for some of the old TV shows for Spider-Man. Yeah, including um, zipping through a live-action pilot for yeah. the 1977 live-action Spider-Man. Uh, I don't think it was 1977. Okay, well, it was in the 70s, right? Uh. I believe, well, the live action TV show that was on NBC, I want to say, lasted two seasons. I think it was 67 to 69. Oh, um, earlier. Okay, yeah. Uh, not great. Not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so my personal experience with Spider Man mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoons, mm-hmm. after school cartoons. I'm sure I watched some of it. Not as much as the 90s X-Men and the 90s <gasps> Batman the Animated Series. Two of the greatest <laughs> cartoons of all time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was a fan. I've always liked Spider-Man as a character. Because... Oh, wait. But before we go on. Okay, here we go. <sighs> I hate saying this. I was wrong. You were right. Ugh. Uh, oh, that, right. That uh, the... <laughs> the live action <laughs> TV show was 1977. To 78 slash 79. This is dumb. The animated show was, I think I got those dates mixed up. The 19 and the animated show is 1967. Maybe we could do a bonus where we heckle the, <laughs> <laughs> we heckle the Spider-Man pilot. Oh man. Uh, that, that would be amazing. But anyway, so your exposure. So you watched uh, yeah. the cartoon a little bit. Yeah. But I liked him as a character mm-hmm. because he's not all powerful mm-hmm. uh, and he had clever quips mm-hmm. and he did creative things with his powers and uh, yeah, he's a high he's a high school kid with high school problems, and isn't some god. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Superman, Wonder Woman, <laughs> Thor. I look behind me. And yeah, uh, wait for my figures to smite him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's scrappy. Mm-hmm. He does creative things to get out of certain situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, come on, swinging. Who doesn't want to swing through the city? Yeah, I enjoy that quite Spins a bit. Spins web any size. Yep, catches thieves just like flies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Tobey Maguire's trilogy, I think I saw all three of them in the theaters, mm-hmm. and I liked number one mm-hmm. a lot. Absolutely. The fact that he is 30-something years old didn't bother me because he he's a, he looks young. He's going to have the baby mm-hmm. face going on. Yep, but- anyway, for me personally, <laughs> okay. I mean, call me an idiot, sure, but like mm-hmm. it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Mary Jane, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Willem Dafoe. Awesome, also. And yep. it was directed by Sam Raimi, who mm-hmm. did Evil Dead, and he has that uh, scrappy sensibility of directing, sure. directing where, um, I mean, obviously he did some CG, but he had a lot of background in doing things physically. And mm-hmm. you can see a lot of that in uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which is out now. Right. Um, you know, they do some CG, but there's a lot of practical effects, and it has, like, a great feeling to it. So I'm thinking of Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. where uh, Dr. Octopus wakes up yeah. from the table and you have these shadows, and it feels very Hitchcockian. Uh, so Spider-Man 2, my favorite of those three. Agreed. Number three, I, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says. What? But oh, hang on, oh. hang on, hang on. I know people <laughs> make fun of where he's going. He's a bad guy, and he's doing the weird dance, and mm-hmm. it's awkward and stuff. It didn't bother me as much as everybody How? else. But what bothered me more is the villain explosion, That the fact that there were three villains, Sandman, Venom. And uh, Venom and mm-hmm. uh, Green Goblin's son. Yeah. 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 Osborne. Uh, it's too much. Too mm-hmm. much. Uh, and it gets, it, it, it diluted the movie. 
and the mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy stuff and all that stuff. Like we don't need it. We don't need it. Just focus on one or two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, amazing. Oh, sorry. Did you want to jump in on this, that trilogy there? So the trilogy, the first, I remember watching the first one. I remember going to the theater they had, it was one of the first, uh, motion posters that I remember seeing in the theater. Hmm. The What's cost, a motion poster? Motion, poster. Like where you, look at it one way and you kind of walk to the side and it change, it shifts a little okay. bit yeah but it was just this gorgeous poster i remember oh man this this goes back uh at blockbuster uh <laughs> at the blockbuster in, in the town where i was living at the time rest in peace <laughs> all blockbusters <laughs> did you know i recently read this blockbuster passed on buying netflix mm. because they thought it was uh not archaic what did there was a, there was a video that I watched recently where like they passed it like nah that's too niche no like, one's ever gonna watch it yeah. on there yeah. yeah I did not know that and then they tried to come out with their own online mm-hmm. service or Failed DVD miserably. by mail service yeah yeah so the blockbuster where I was living at the time when Spider Man came out mm-hmm. had a full size costume replica that you could win if you whatever watched X amount of movies or bought X amount of licorice for seven dollars yeah um and it blew me away. Like that first Spider-Man movie in 2001 Two. or 2002 yeah. was incredible. We had never seen something like that. And this is coming off of, and one thing I will give it credit for, and I will always give it credit for. Yes, Tobey Maguire is 35 years old, never believable. But before Spider-Man, I should ask you because I don't know the answer. Before Spider-Man, name two comic book movies that had come out five years prior. Tank Girl. Okay. Nope. Try again. <laughs> Why not? Ninety. So, that was like ninety three. Yeah, it was. It was early. That was Tank Girl. Uh, the Matrix. Not a comic book movie. <laughs> it stole a lot from comic books, but um. Uh, let's see. Well, oh, Punisher. No, no. <laughs> uh, there's got to be a no. There's none. Is it? You're there telling is. me there's no. So, so oh, there okay. Before Can you give me a letter? Spider-Man starts with S, ends with Pawn. Oh, come on. So Spawn. Because keep in mind. Oh, yeah. Before Spider-Man. talking about the CG cape Yeah, and before Spider-Man, but we had Spawn so and we had Blade. And that was it leading into Spider-Man. So we were like, what is this going to be like? <clears throat> what 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 are we going to see? Yeah, and Spawn and Blade are not marquee characters. True. Uh, I mean, I mean, you got to admit, Spider-Man is up there in the course. echelon of at least superheroes that people know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before Spider-Man, our expectations were at a certain level, and that level was Spawn and Blade. I like both those movies. I had both those movie posters. Oh, I started... Blade 2 and 3. Uh, 2 was interesting. 3 was just ridiculous. Uh, 3 was where Ryan Reynolds first really started to put on weight and muscle that he has kept on this entire time. Uh-huh. So good for him. Uh, but no, I had both those movie posters. I started collecting posters from an early age. Um, so when Spider-Man came out and we started seeing the trailers, I was like, okay, this looks incredible. This looks way different than anything we had ever seen before. So when I saw it, it blew me away. It flat out blew me away. Uh, I remember the original trailer for it, and you might remember this also. Bank heist, helicopter goes away, gets caught on a web. That web was strung between the Twin Towers. Oh, they cut that out of the movie. Yep. Well, yeah. that was in the trailer. It was in the okay. first trailer. <clears throat> yeah. September and they 11th. added in some patriotic stuff at the end. Yeah. September so, 11th happened. Yeah. They cut that trailer. They killed it. They they just put it away. Yeah. Uh, you can still find it online. 
But so when I saw the Spider first Spider Man, yeah, I I, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Spider Man Two is still one of the greatest comic book movie adaptations. I agree. Yeah, it really was good, really really good. Spider Man Three, I liked the thing never existed. Yeah. I'll, what did the, <laughs> okay? So in your opinion, what was the worst thing about Three? The worst. What thing did about, they do wrong? Ugh. I, I cannot narrow down to one thing, but think, one, of, one of the major things was the tone. You and I talked earlier on this episode, tonal shift. When Spider-Man was taken over by the Venom symbiote, he became he did not become emo and started jazz dancing and whatever. He stopped caring, and he started mm-hmm. becoming angry, and it started mm-hmm. to take him over, and all of these things. In the movie, it just they did not touch on that at all. There okay. were some great moments in three i would say there are about 15 minutes of three that i really like Mm -hmm. the rest of it was just way over the top the sandman origin story the stuff with sandman in general until the third act no it was great oh yeah like it was really good thomas hayden church i agree he's good like he was fantastic yeah so but it just it, it it went downhill bryce dallas howard yeah as gwen stacy remind me does she die in that movie, I do not think she does. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then so moving on from those movies, yeah. then we had the Andrew Garfield movies. Yeah, I saw the first one, not the second one. You are not missing much. Really? Okay. It just, they were trying too hard. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it just, it they, they were trying to swing for the moon. They tried to incorporate the Gwen Stacy stuff and hope that it would have this amazing impact. And it just did not. It, it, it just did not resonate. Um, love it or hate it. The thing that I like about that first, I will say first set of movies, uh, Spider-Man 1, I, I might I might get a lot of crap for this. I might get more trolls on Twitter. <laughs> One can only hope. Um, that song is amazing. So it is the guy from Nickelback and the guy from Spit. Um, oh, when you say amazing, you mean not amazing. I mean, at the time, I was like, okay, this fits with the movie kind of like this song quite a bit oh john um man I, I have to look that up right now this guy say something entertaining <laughs> while i do this this episode brought to you by dead air <laughs> ever want to breathe the air of dead people get some dead air in a can sponsored by Oh, dead no. air. <laughs> <laughs> like that is an ad. And I'm going to play the first little part of this just so you get a so, so you remember. This is the song from Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. 1. Yep. Just Spider-Man. starring Nickelback. Um get your cease and desist ready. Oh, John. <laughs> no. What? Yeah. You like this one? Okay. I hey, listen. Do. I have I have embarrassing <laughs> things I like too. Never tell anyone oh, wait, else. I miss, I, hold on. I, I, was, I will cut off the best part. Hero will save us. You're not gonna. <laughs> That's what you call on the nose. <laughs> oh man. I hope I talk to season to sis. But oh, that Lord. that song at the end of the movie and leading into the movie. Yeah, it was great. You won't get a season to sis if we review that. If we played it for review purposes. Oh, yeah, that is true. Okay. <laughs> that song I give an ugly, John. I give it a good. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. You're fired. Okay, uh, moving on. All right, so number two. So Amazing Spider-Man 2. They brought mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield back. 
Yep. Who are we talking about here for villains? Jamie Foxx as Electro. Jamie Foxx talented. He he is. This is not a get out moment. He gave is his it? best performance in. <laughs> he gave no. his best performance in Baby Driver, which is in theaters right now. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to Go see, see that. It. Yeah, it yeah. was it was incredible. Yeah, but yeah, Jamie Foxx's Electro did not work. Why? At all. It was just it was not believable. He we talked about it earlier when you go over the top. Okay. He went five rungs above the top. Okay. And it just it, it fell flat. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. As a comic book aficionado, yes. uh, what is the Spider-Man-ness that you wanted to see in this new movie? What is it about the character that they have to get right mm-hmm. or else it doesn't feel right? The number one thing, first thing that comes to mind, charm. You have to have charm. Okay. And not to the level of like, because when people think of Deadpool and they think of, oh, you know, quippy, blah, blah. Spider-Man, you have to have charm, and it has to be passionate. Like, it has to be believable charm, because he was the person in the middle of a fight who would be saying things even in the comics. A lot of the things that you see in the movies that have that weird comedic moment are forced because they're wanting that. Spider-Man always had that. Okay. So it has to be charm, is is the number one thing. Tobey Maguire, there were scenes where he was charming, and it worked. Andrew Garfield, there were less scenes of him being charming and it working. And then we'll get into into this movie. But yeah, to me, the Spider-Man-ness, the number one thing that you have to have is charm. And what about his physicality or his being Spider-Man? You know, Uh, for me, I think it's the agility and the creativity of using his webs and and being able to screw up. Mm -hmm. uh, You've... Fans of this guy named Steve will know that he, that for me. Mm-hmm. Does that work grammar-wise? Yeah, no. I guess so. Okay, fine, whatever. But I think Indiana Jones is mm-hmm. the, uh, and in some ways James Bond, is the pinnacle of an action hero because, and Han Solo, and they mm-hmm. go, things go wrong mm-hmm. and they have to adapt. And that adds so much more tension than just being a perfect sure. hero. So, yeah. uh, so that's what I was looking for is, is him, um, being, being smart. I mean, he's, he's a smart guy I mean, he's mm-hmm. great in science and yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but you're right. Screwing up something going wrong and he has to fix it on a flash. That's what really gets my heart racing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, again, going before we go into that, a song that a song having to do with Spider-Man. You're not going to play another terrible Nickelback song. No, okay. I wish I could play this other one. Okay. Uh, but, I will put it in the show notes below. One of my favorite songs that uses a hook from Spider-Man. Uh, two producers that were amazing producers and MCs that never had success on their own, but producing other people, huge. Timbaland and Magoo. The blank face. Mr. The, Magoo. Okay. The look on Steve's face anytime I mention anything related to hip-hop. Sidebar listeners, I'm really happy I was not here for the review of All Eyes on Me. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I... I would have just been like a guppy. Like, yeah. what yeah. is going on? Uh, so two amazing producers, Timbaland and Magoo. You have heard of Missy Elliott, right? Sure. Okay. Timbaland made and still kind of makes almost all of her beats. And all so, of her shoes. No. Oh. So Timbaland and Magoo, great producers. They came out with some great albums that never really had the success that the other people that they produced did. Justin Timberlake, Missy Elliott, Aaliyah. So anyway, they did a song called Here We Come. That is awesome. It uses the old hook from the Spider-Man cartoon from the 60s. 
I love it. Okay. So uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes and probably put it on Twitter. But okay. yeah. Here we go. Wave your hands from Missy Maganu and Tim Berlin. Anyway, it is awesome. I will put it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> Steve came with the blank look. So, okay, so uh, can I ask you a favor? Can you please mm-hmm. set up Spider-Man Homecoming in the context of Captain America Civil War, where he made his first appearance? Okay, so we get introduced to this version of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, in Captain America Civil War, where we see Tony Stark hear about this new hero in Brooklyn, you know, and see some YouTube clips, uh, you know, reaches out to him, makes him part of Team Iron Man. And then from there, we get a little bit of that origin story, but not a ton. And we also do not get a direct lead in to look forward to Spider-Man upcoming soon. But we get enough. And that was one of the biggest successes of this movie. We do not need to see another Spider-Man origin movie. Agreed. Since 2002, when Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man come out, came out, it is now 2017. This is the fifth, no, sixth movie of Spider-Man in 15 years. Yeah, we got it. We get it. And so they trusted the audience, and they were like, all right, we're going to hit those points. We're going to, you know, Aunt May is there. No parents. You know, we got it. Mm-hmm. That was great. So this movie, one of the things I heard after the movie that somebody said around me and it bothered me, they're like, they didn't really go into an origin story. You're right, because they did not have to. Yeah. It would have been completely unnecessary for them to do it in this film, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh-huh. So in this one, it just picks up a few months after the events of Captain America's Civil War. Peter Parker is still kind of getting used to everything. Uh is really trying to go on the next big mission as opposed to just kind of like helping cats out of trees and helping bank rob or help stop little, you know, bodega robberies. Mm-hmm. He is texting with Happy, played by John Favreau, who is phenomenal, <laughs> and just being like, hey, when is my next big mission? When is this? He's eager. He's he, got these powers he wants to use. Them. Absolutely. He wants to be famous in high school and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. This plays out, and I have heard this comparison a lot. This movie plays out like a lot of John Hughes films. Huh. Being a high school drama with some teenagers, I can see that comparison. Somewhat. Even though, Somewhat. Yeah. yeah, even though I might not completely agree with it, I can see where it comes from. Mm-hmm. So this film starts, Peter's a sophomore in high school, and with his his best friend, who <laughs> was also great in this, uh, played by Jacob uh battalion or battalion bat- battalion sorry mm-hmm. buddy uh who plays ned it is just the two of them in high school just interacting with school tom holland is believable as a sophomore in high school uh-huh. he is i think he is 18 or 19 or whatever yeah but it works uh-huh like you believe him as the sophomore in high school you believe all of the kids in this movie are the ages or approximate ages that they should be. So the film starts and it's him getting used to stuff, him just living as a high schooler with all these amazing powers and nothing really major to do with them. Mm -hmm. And that leads him into some situations where of course he finds something to do with them Mm -hmm. and he goes up against a big bad that he is not ready for. And you see that in the trailer. So Mm -hmm. that's not 
a spoiler or anything. The Vulture, the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton. Who, Michael Keaton, talk about a resurgence. Ever since Birdman, that guy is making some great choices. Mm-hmm. So, and in this, so he plays Adrian Toomes, who is an inventor and kind of, I mean, he's an inventor, but also in this film, they kind of make him a salvage yard guy. Yeah. Who gets city contracts from the city of New York to then take pieces of Chitauri tech and Avengers tech just kind of and, and sell it just for parts. But he gets screwed out of his contract. Mm-hmm. But he's still got a bunch of these parts, and he starts yeah. to sell it on the black market. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I didn't know much about the vulture going into this. Mm-hmm. And I like that he is a literal vulture. I mean, he's going through the wreckage and turning it into other stuff. He's salvaging. Yeah. yeah. And the, the vulture is one of those characters. I, I, I have to give a big props to Marvel and Sony for their partnership of giving us not only one villain, but more than one villain that we have never seen before in a live action movie. Yeah. Now, normally that's a big red flag where I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, there's going to be three or four Spider-Man villains in this, Mm -hmm. but they did it with a light enough touch and uh, didn't feel the need to give each of them their whole backstory, why they Mm -hmm. are a bad guy and all this other stuff. Absolutely. So they just gave them uh, five or 10 minutes cumulatively, these minor characters and really let Michael Keaton and the vulture take, center stage this is not batman and robin Mm -hmm. which was a disaster on all fronts and it was not spider-man 3 also not great on that Mm -hmm. aspect well i mean and the concern about villain overload was unwarranted thankfully because again even though vulture is the main villain they introduced not one but two different versions of the shocker Mm -hmm. they introduced the tinkerer they introduced a person who is probably eventually going to end up being a scorpion. Like they layer this a lot. Yeah, but he's right at the end. That's just the sequel yeah. teaser, but okay. Yeah. Um, and Donald Glover, Donald Glover, uh, his character was nicknamed the prowler. Okay. Um, which again, is like a clever nod. Donald Glover reminds me of one of my other favorite things about this movie that should be at the top of the review. The diversity representation in this film was phenomenal for sure and again it was not like and we talked about this with wonder woman yeah it was not diversity to fill a quota it was not diversity to have a token yeah it was true diversity from students mm-hmm. to perfect to teachers to villains mm-hmm. to here it was just it this is new york yeah what <laughs> like people always make fun of the tv show friends for valid reason how can this people hang out in new york all the time and not really interact with people of color mm-hmm in yeah. this film, people of all ages, yeah. people from the Italian of Marissa Tomei as Aunt May <laughs> yeah. to the probably Scandinavian German roots of Michael Keaton to yeah. the British roots of Tom. No, I'm just yeah. joking. Yeah. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're absolutely. I mean, Liz, his main interest mm-hmm. is African-American. Yeah. The two uh, girls that are his same age, both African-American, both mixed. You have his best friend, Ned, who is played by uh, Jacob. Batalin or Batalin, sorry, buddy, uh, who is Filipino. Uh, Hannibal Burris is in this as Coach Wilson. Donald Glover isn't like it. Just it is all over the place, like it would be in New York City. Absolutely, yeah. So diversity representation, it matters. They do it in in the best way possible, which is not pointing it out. Of just this is what real life is, people. 
there are brown people there are white people like it just happens even so, in asgard even in asgard all right uh hemdall played by idris elba boom in your face yeah uh, no, i'm with you <laughs> so that was a big part that again was just important for me to see in all films yeah but especially in something like this and they really did a great job with that yeah from giving it to people who are in the main cast and others so going back to the villain overload or the concern about the villain overload they put villains in here and they put multitude of them in here but only give them five to ten minutes and that was great it was not like they They're were not the focus of the film exactly it was not like they were like i am the vulture these are my henchmen the other vi-. like no man just like let it happen yeah let one villain be the linchpin as for why these other characters might eventually band together yeah and do something which they have talked about doing a sinister six movie which they tried to layer in with amazing spider-man 2 mm-hmm. and it just failed that, that that whole timeline is just gone yeah and uh the vulture aka mr toombs mm-hmm. has additional significance mm-hmm which we will not go into. Story. Yeah, which we, we definitely will not do because that was a hell of a twist. Yeah. Uh, some people kind of saw it coming, but... Doesn't matter. It's yeah. still a great... Yeah, it, that was a great a, twist. It was a great reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the costuming, as a comic book fan, was on point. Love the eyes the of eye, Spider-Man. Yeah, the eyes were great. Because mm-hmm. they get larger and smaller, mm-hmm. uh, purportedly to help him do certain technological things mm-hmm. but they also express his feelings yeah why would they be set up to do that i don't know tony stark is a mad genius but the point is that it really goes a long way to uh giving him character when he's mm-hmm. in his uniform yeah and even with michael keaton so the vulture has always been kind of a ridiculous villain he is a super old dude with a pair of electromagnetic wings that attach to a harness blah 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 and he has this green suit with a frill around the neck this they put michael keaton in like a bomber jacket that has a frill around the neck yeah i like that that is all you need like those little things uh the two different people (laughs) spoiler alert maybe the two different people who play shocker in this he is wearing a jacket that is yellow and has like a diamond puff pattern on it which is exactly what it was in the comics. Like again, like those types of things yeah. were just great. Uh, Spider-Man's other costume, the one that he kind of made at home is very similar, similar to the Ben Riley version of Scarlet spider. So <laughs> blank look from Steve, but that is okay. But like they do those things in the context of this film and it makes sense. If they were trying to shoehorn in, which they have tried to do every other iteration of spider-man shoehorn in why they wear these things or why they look like this this one they trusted the audience if you did not know that the vulture ever had a frill around his neck in his costume all you would see is michael keaton in a bomber jacket mm-hmm. with a like a fighter jet helmet and an oxygen mask and it would make sense because that is part of the costume mm-hmm done yeah. sold like and they nailed the spider-man-ness of his character uh the peter parker actually mm-hmm. i should say peter parker aspect where he's struggling to be cool in school yep. he's struggling to keep up and uh he's a nerd i mean he's a science geek that's how he got bit in the first place mm-hmm. um and homecoming i mean 
it ends with a homecoming dance, which I could see the connections between Pretty and Pink in those types of movies. But uh, I disagree that it feels like those, honestly. I think they nailed the Peter Parker-ness of Mm -hmm. Peter Parker's character. He's struggling to be cool in school. He's struggling to keep up with that Mm -hmm. and be a, a superhero at the same time. And he sort of struggles with how much of a superhero do I want to be? Do I yeah. really want to join the Avengers? Um, what 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 am I going to do with this responsibility? That that theme comes back. So because and was it <laughs> did it capture it for you? It did. The thing that Tom Holland did exceptionally well, and the reason that I put that on Twitter was that Tom Holland is the Spider-Man we have been waiting for. Tom Holland's charm and blissful naivete was amazing because not only was he charming because again imagine being 16 years old and you have these amazing powers not only you have these amazing powers you have fought against captain america you've done all these things and then you have to go back to school Mm -hmm. so that in and of itself but then the the naivety the the naivete of Mm. of like okay you know but i still have school like it was just it was amazing it was believable Mm mm-hmm that presented a problem to me in the sense of when you have someone as good as Tom Holland and as believable as Tom Holland, how does everyone else fit around that? For the most part, everyone else did a really good job. The only person where it felt like they were reacting and not acting, and I feel like I've said that on a couple episodes recently, um, was Laura Harrier as Liz, who is the main love interest. A lot of those scenes, they veered a little bit into too much schmaltziness because it felt like she was, it was it was not as authentic and organic as the interactions between some of the other characters. Uh, Zendaya, who played Michelle in this, she was awesome. Huge highlight for me to the fact where she just kind of pops up everywhere. And not only does she pop up like a lot of people do in these movies, someone actually noticed it. And says it, that was great. It was not even breaking the fourth wall, but it was enough for them to be like, why are you even in detention? You're not even supposed to be here. And she was like, I just like drawing people and suffering. (laughs) She just, she nailed it. She nailed like the awkward teenager perfectly. Despite my earlier thing about Marvel humor, this is a really funny movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What they do really well is set up the expectation and then destroy it. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just like... Wiley Coyote uh, cartoons. You know, he drops the anvil, but the anvil doesn't drop. It, Mm -hmm. you know, it hangs in the air. Well, what's going on? So it, it sets up an expectation and then goes the opposite, which is what you got to do in humor. And it was legitimately very funny Mm -hmm. and moving. And it did something the other Marvel movies, I think, slipped up on. When there were humorous moments in this, they let it breathe. One of the moments that it was hilarious in Avengers that a lot of people missed when Loki is talking to Hulk and he was like, blah, blah, I have an army. And Hulk picks him up and smashes him side to side. Loki said, or uh, Hulk says, because before that, Loki was like, puny humans, blah, blah. Hulk smashes him like he does and then says, puny God. The theater is laughing so loud that you see Hulk's lips move. And then everyone was like, wait, what did he say? That sucks. What did he say? Oh, he said puny, oh, puny God. God. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in this movie, yeah. 
the comedic beats and comedic timing was way better. Yeah. Because it let those moments kind of breathe and happen. Yeah. Um, and especially with kind of that bumbling teenager that Peter Parker is in this universe. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the action scenes? The action scenes were really good. We're talking about Washington Monument. Yeah. The my, one that took place on the plane at the end. The the fairy scene that you see in the trailer. One of the things that I was missing from this film that the other movies had, especially um, uh, Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, swinging through New York City. Yeah. And the cityscapes and everything around it, which also the game. Do you remember the, the Spider-Man game on PS2? Never played it, but yeah. It was basically like GTA with Spider-Man. So you could swing around all over the place. I was missing that. There were a few scenes of it. I wanted more Mm -hmm. because that was what truly... Spider-Man is Brooklyn. Spider-Man is Queens. Spider-Man is New York. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of missing those little pieces of it. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, the action set pieces were good. The action was great. Tom Holland, unfortunately, people are going to watch this and be like, Oh, that was just a stunt person. A lot of it was, but Tom Holland is a legitimate gymnast. Hmm. Like, go to his Instagram. I didn't know that. When you see him prepping for not only Civil War, but for this, like, he is the one doing flips. He is the one doing all of that to the extent that the insurance people will tell him to stop. But, like, he can do this. Question. Yes. In this movie, mm-hmm. Spider-Man has a suit that's been enhanced by Stark Industries. Yes. And so uh, he has certain web abilities. He can say out loud, Taser Web, for right. example. It's not a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, did you like that? And is there any precedent for it in the comics? And does it matter? Yes, no, and no. Okay, you like uh. <laughs> that, and there's no precedent, and that's okay. Yeah. Basically because, so at some point, yes, he did get enhanced armor from Tony Stark uh, in the comics. This one, it was, he never got that this early, for sure. That was only recently when they were going up against this huge thing and Tony was like, hey, let me help you with this. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man's suit has changed a thousand times. Uh, One point he was possessed by Doc Ock and he became the superior Spider-Man. Really, really great storylines in that series. Does he have eight arms? He four he arms? manufactured that. It was, oh, it was, it was clever. Okay. Um, but having, uh, I think her name is Friday, uh, the voice in the suit like Tony has, mm-hmm. was different. Um, I think it worked for the most part. Uh, all of the different web combinations led to funny moments that, again, they let it happen. Mm-hmm. When she was like, uh, should I activate... Uh, interrogation mode in- interrogation mode set to kill and he was like whoa 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 no no he was like stop and his yeah. eyes go all red yeah so there were really funny beats with that yeah was it completely necessary probably not yeah but it worked I always like when he does creative things with his web abilities mm-hmm. I mean you can have web ball you can have yeah. the web stream or something to trap somebody against something with his web mm-hmm. uh yeah, and anytime he's able to do creative things. So I like that aspect of it. It didn't bother you that it was too technological or no. Not I mean, he kind of ha- he hacks it at one point to make to Yeah, that was dumb. Okay. The hacking of 
the hacking in most movies just bothers me. Yeah, because you're like, how would these kids know how to do it? Well, but... I mean, no, the, that is not necessarily the problem. Oh. It is the ease of access in which they do them. Oh, uh-huh. Like, these are kids who are on, you know, the academic decathlon. And so, they, like, these uh-huh. are smart kids. Yeah. Um, but the ease of access in which they do them. Yeah. Uh, it's so... probably password protected. <laughs> okay, At least. No. <laughs> with password one. Yeah. Uh, with the suit thing, though. It kind of goes into the the bad part of comics, which was in the 60s. It was just Captain Exposition. Mm-hmm. Every panel, it would be like, if I shoot my webs like this, I can wrap them up. Ah. I jumped off the building. My legs feel stronger than ever. Like, it would just stop. Mm-hmm. He has a drone on his chest. Do you yeah. like the drone? They didn't make it too cutesy. And, you know, it's yeah. not like an R2-D2 or a... They called him Droney. Droney, yeah. Um I mean, it flies off his chest and is able to do some things. They didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. But what did you think about that? I thought it was interesting. I I, I thought it, it worked, but it did start to veer a little bit to, do we really need this right now? Does he need all of this tech right now? Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he's too powerful starting out. Well, he struggles with that, though. Yeah, he struggles yeah, with it. That's part of it, yeah. And so the thing that I liked about this also that they have not yet done in Batman, and you and I have talked about this before, Batman is the world's greatest detective and has yet to do any detecting in his movies that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Peter Parker is a great scientist. Mm-hmm. The first three movies with Tobey Maguire threw it out the window because he had little spikes that came out of his fingers like in Spider-Man 2099. That was dumb. He invented that because he is an inventor. He is a genius. Nerd alert. In this one... <laughs> They did that same thing. Okay. So I liked that they gave him that ability to be like, to be a genius, to be a smart kid. Yeah. So anything you didn't like about this movie? Um, the gripes that I had with it are kind of few and far between, uh, the chemistry between Tom Holland and Laura Harrier was not really believable. Um, all the time, Mm -hmm. the chemistry that he has with, I think the reason for that is the chemistry that he has with everyone else is so much better mm-hmm. uh the michael keaton scenes like michael keaton is really layering it thick with his age and his stature and his presence he was a terrible batman in the sense of the dude is like five eight not intimidating at all you watch those old movies and be like really bruce wayne i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm supposed to believe you are the batman no yeah. As he gets older, like he is legitimately a good villain. Like he looks the part, he acts the part. Yeah, he's got those eyebrows. The eyebrows, that just, <laughs> the, the lines in his face, yeah, like yeah. he he is solid. And he kind of has that Nick Cage thing where he can be calm one minute and then be completely bonkers <laughs> the next minute. Why aren't yeah. I in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we talk about the scene that was very iconic for you? Yes. So there's a scene, uh, and I put this on my social media, that is replicated almost shot for shot from Amazing Spider-Man number 33 uh, by Steve Ditko, where in this pivotal scene in the comics, when this came out, Spider-Man is trapped under a bunch of machinery, and Aunt May is being held hostage, and he has all of this in, you know, inner monologue of like, I need to get out of this or Aunt May dies. I need to find the strength of myself. My feet hurt. My arms hurt. My like, And he's just pushing through and pushing through and ends up lifting up this machinery. In this film, as soon as I saw him go down in this scene, 
and I see him get back up. He's buried under all this concrete all this and I beams and stuff. Yeah. That just hit me in the chest. Mm. Uh, and it, 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 because it works, it was an emotional moment that they have tried to replicate in almost every Spider-Man movie. But I feel like in the other Spider-Man movies to their credit had a singular Spider-Man moment. Of course, the one in, in the first Spider-Man and he is stopping the train and, you know, shooting all of his webs and they reach, they like lift him over very Christ-like yeah. and like take off his mask, you know. Every one of these superhero movies recently has had a Christ-like image in it. I mean, yeah. Wonder Woman has a Christ-like thing yeah. and this one had one. If if one of the legs goes up slightly mm-hmm. when he's in the Christ pose, that puts it over the edge of like yeah. they're really trying to evoke mm-hmm. Christ on the cross. Yeah, so I think and those... maybe that's for middle America. I don't know. <laughs> So I think those other I'm movies. I'm serious. Yeah, might be trying to, it makes sense. All right. Those other movies had <laughs> a few of those Spider-Man moments. I think this one, the scene with the fairy that you've seen in the trailers, yeah. which is, again, that very Christ-like metaphor. I think that is one of the only truly Spider-Man-esque moments in this film, as far as iconic Spider-Man. To me, that scene where he is lifting the rubble is because I know exactly what panel and what issue that is from. So... But yeah, I mean, other than that, the villains were laid out well. The chemistry was really good for most all of the interactions. Mm-hmm. I had some issues with a little bit of the Tony Stark and happy stuff because Sony is still proving to be really stubborn and not really saying how much this is going to tie in when you're like, Sony, Sony, just... Listen. Uh, help me out with this. Like, I mean, Sony, uh, help me out with the ownership aspect of it. Sony owned him and Marvel came in. I don't understand that. So, okay, I will do this in 30 seconds. Okay. Marvel <laughs> almost went bankrupt. Actually, no, filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the early 90s. Yeah. Because of that, they had to sell off the film rights to a lot of their properties. Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Good those reasons. things. <laughs> Sorry. All, those things all went to other places. Okay. Because they were like, we just need to hold on to the actual rights. The film rights, none of us are trying to make a movie right now. We just filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. We need money. So they sold those off. To keep those contracts and rights, those studios respectively had to produce a film within a certain time. So because of that, they started just pumping out these movies to keep the film rights. And Marvel could not do anything about it. Only now does Sony recognize all right, Marvel, we need your help. If you want these films to tie into the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how do we do that? Help us. And it worked. Because in this film, it essentially feels like Sony just got the report card on the fridge and Marvel just brought in all of their writers. But Sony, they're like, good job, Sony. They get a pat on the head. They get the report card on the fridge. But this is a Marvel movie. And it should be. Because it should tie into all of these things. So let Sony keep some of the film rights. Let Sony keep some of the box office. As long as they keep partnering with mm-hmm. Marvel, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it easily could have gone off the rails like it has in every other Sony-produced Spider-Man movie. So Yeah, smart. I mean, Marvel knows what they're doing for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially with this huge cinematic universe. They have a plan, and it feels like they're going somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. With uh, maybe Sony, some other ones, yeah. not as much. Yeah, And exactly. Sony, I mean, like, Marvel's already planning to use Spider-Man in Avengers Infinity War yeah. coming out soon. 
So whatever handshakes, whatever <laughs> happened behind the scenes between Sony and Marvel, let it keep happening. Maybe Universal should give Marvel a call with their dark universe oh. stories. And just be like, please help us. <laughs> please. So um, another, let me see, another shout out would be to, uh, yeah, I talked about Hannibal Burris. Uh, the thing with Hannibal Burris, a very small part. Let's be honest, a though. very small he part. He only had a couple of lines, but, yeah. but he did an amazing thing at the premiere, at the red carpet premiere. I love Hannibal Burris. He is hilarious. He hired us. He could not go to the premiere, oh, yeah. and he was kind of heartbroken about it. So he put a call on Twitter and Instagram. He was like, "Hey, I need a lookalike <laughs> to look like me, have some comedic timing. I'll pay you <laughs> uh-huh. to go to the red carpet premiere." So this guy. Look, who looks a little bit like Hannibal Burris went to the red carpet. Nobody knew <laughs> that. Aww. Like Aww. he trolled the red carpet so hard, <laughs> and it was amazing because it was like that old cliche: all black people look alike. And he was like, "Here you go. Here's a prime example of not me at all." And people are like, "So what was it like being in the movie?" And blah, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Oh man, so. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. have to watch this. <laughs> just like, so uh, I'm sorry. A huge shout I'm out to Hannibal Burris. Yeah, um, that's great. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the villains were all good. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. I mean, I mean, let me check my notes again. But yeah, so far, I mean, with with this, it just it all made sense. The other thing, and I forgot to write this down, but I it was on my other notes. Okay, the thing that made me really happy at being the the super comic book geek that i am damage control what is damage control damage control i talked about it a few episodes ago when i talked about a dc show that tried to be damage control and they tried to beat marvel to the punch this is the tv show yeah, with uh, called powerless it failed completely Danny and, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but damage control was this organization that basically all of these heroes most of the major heroes because stan lee is from new york all of them were in New York. Fantastic Four, X-Men, Spider-Man, Avengers. Everybody's in New York. So collateral damage was everywhere. This organization called Damage Control would come in, clean up the mess. They made four great miniseries, comic miniseries back in the day. It was it was just it was really funny back in the like reading those comics. And so to hear it mentioned now, it just made me happy. Because now they are part of the MCU, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. If you have superheroes running around smashing buildings, somebody is going to have to go and clean those up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they mentioned damage control, I was very happy. I meant to put a picture a while ago of my favorite damage control cover, and I forgot to, so I will do it today. <laughs> yeah. So I have one small gripe, but it has nothing to do with the movie itself. It has to do with the movie theater. We were seeing mm. it in 2D standard Yes. at the press screening. And mm-hmm. some of the action I couldn't quite follow. I, I think it's hmm. the something about the digital projection, and it happened in the big final scene where they're up on the plane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't see. quite. I thought to myself, oh, I can't wait to watch this on my home television because hmm. I don't know if it has something to do with the frame rate, but or it's not bright enough, or they're missing frames, or you know whatever. But my my eye doesn't follow it in the same way that the 24 frame, you know, traditional movie would. And uh, I mean, I didn't have the problem with Wonder Woman. I'm sure Wonder Woman mm-hmm. was di- digitally pro- shot and projected. Yeah. But uh, something wasn't quite right, and I, 
the fast action sometimes doesn't translate well to digital projection, and that was a problem for me in this one. But hmm. okay, yeah, despite that, that is, that is valid. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the really funny things also in this movie, uh, that I mean was kind of an in joke that as soon as it happened on screen, I turned to Steve. There's a bell that features prominently. Uh, <laughs> in this movie and as soon as i see this bell it was just like really uh but a quote from the movie uh the bell should not be used for comedic effects <laughs> <laughs> right all right so no, it was just that's good it was just, it was just really funny yeah um, yeah. yeah so all of the kids are great <laughs> all of them are smart all of them have their own agency what do you want to see in the next one the next one well the next it, time we see spider-man is going to be in infinity war so okay. Where that takes place outside of this movie, I I still do not know. How about the next standalone Spider-Man, which probably will feature? Can we say? Well, no, mm. let's not say. Uh, one of the actors from Better Call Saul is going to play a villain, and I think he's going to do a great job because he's awesome in Better Call Saul. Wait, who are you talking about? Nacho. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So one of the one of the many uh, villains that were kind of talked about and everything. Uh, like I mentioned before, so Scorpion was mentioned, Shocker was mentioned by name. Yeah, uh, he was never called Vulture uh, in this film. Oh yeah, that's right. That's interesting. Uh, but I did like how Michael Keaton at one point was like, "Oh, you know," when he talked about the guy with the glove who was the Shocker. Michael Keaton was the one who named him, and he was like, "Oh, he likes going by that stupid name, the Shocker." Clever, like it was just clever. Yeah. So, but yeah, as for what happens next. I need to see what happens in Infinity War to kind of see how that affects this new Spider-Man universe. Okay. So, well, I mean, we've seen a trilogy before, mm-hmm. and it got bad in number three. Yeah, we've seen uh, Amazing Spider-Man, which is not a trilogy, but mm-hmm. you know, it kind of got worse. So, what pitfalls could they avoid for number two? Too much romance, too soon. Okay, and too many villains, too soon. Yep. Yep. And maybe don't lean on the humor so much as we said before. Yeah. But even though it was good, yeah, I just worry about it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, when he fights some robbers and they bring out a knife, and he was like, "Oh, my only weakness, knives." It just falls flat. It just does not work. Mm-hmm. In this one, it worked. So as long as yeah. I keep that, I think it should be fine. Yeah. So uh, I think that is about all for my notes. Uh, official rating for Spider-Man Homecoming. This guy named Steve. What do you give this? This movie is clicking on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. They've got the funny. Mm-hmm. They've got the emotional. Uh, the CG looks good. The villain's believable. I mean, I could go through all the points again, but it's a good. It's a absolutely definitely see this movie when it comes out. Uh, I'd see it in the theater because it's a popcorn sunny. It's not a popcorn movie. That's damning it with faint praise. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's a really good uh, action movie that mm-hmm. fits very nicely into the rest of the Marvel um, patois. <laughs> what the French call a certain <laughs> I don't, don't know, know what. what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm pleasantly surprised and happy that it is back on track as being. You know, one of my favorite superheroes mm-hmm. has a great representation on screen. Yeah. Uh, and for me, um, 
again, my, my complaints were few and far between. Yeah. Like I said on Twitter, this is this is not only the Spider-Man we have been waiting for as far as Tom Holland being Peter Parker Spider-Man. This is the Spider-Man film we have been waiting for. It makes sense. It works. It is believable that he is a high schooler who is also a genius and he is having to deal with these amazing things going on in his life. And the fact that they did not do an origin story, it it reminded me that they trust their audience. It happens all the time. Stan Lee, one of the quotes that I love about him, every comic book is someone's first comic book. Mm-hmm. Someone watching this, it will be their first Spider-Man. So they might be like, wait, where are his parents? Why is he living with his aunt? But so far, that has not become a negative. So far, it has not been critical to the story losing steam because of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, big success. Absolutely go see it. Uh, This weekend, it gets two very solid goods. Well, I will not be seeing it because I will be seeing Baby Driver. Oh, good point. (laughs) I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, Quick take, Atomic Blonde, how are you feeling? Uh, So far, so good. Jumanji, yeah. welcome to the jungle. Looks terrible, but I'm probably going to see it. I, it could be funny. Kevin Hart and The Kevin Rock Hart. are hilarious. And also uh, Jack Black. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Could be good. Dunkirk, you going to see it? Again, it is a modern war movie. The main reason I will see it is because it is Christopher Nolan. Okay. Uh, I am not super thrilled about seeing it because it is a World War II movie, but it is a part of World War II that I think a lot of Americans do not know about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that is important that at least we see that. Mm-hmm. But and um, what about uh, Valerian? You looking forward to Valerian? Absolutely looking okay. forward to Valerian. Hopefully, uh, I will be doing a director spotlight on Luc Besson. Okay, which I have not done a director spotlight in a while. Yeah, I love Luc Besson's films, so I'm definitely looking forward to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, based on a French comic book. Great. So. Uh, so lots to look forward to left this summer. We're one month down, mm-hmm. two to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot too. I mean, you're busy every weekend watching these. Things. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to get pretty crazy. Continue to get pretty crazy. Yeah. So the last section of the podcast is the, what we learned section. Oh, and the NBC shooting star. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so with cadence, uh, Steve, Basically, the What We Learned segment is the recap. Uh, he is checking the notes <laughs> that I print out for every episode. Not on here. <laughs> um, so the recap of Cadence, what what did you pick up from that? Like, what was something that you, you enjoyed about that? What was something you learned from that? What did we learn from Cadence? Mm-hmm. Um, that you have to tie up the ends it's Hmm. if it's satisfying or not you have to uh let the audience come away feeling like they understand understand (laughs) yeah what i learned from cadence was having a lack of film score in a thriller can be incredibly provocative Mm -hmm. Uh, that was something that i just i really had not seen that before so that that was credit to that. When I first started watching Cadence, I thought it was going to be a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And then it has some time travel, not time travel. No, it's not. It's, yeah. it's obviously memories or dreams or mm-hmm. fantasy. Uh, so I thought that was a really clever take on it. I'd like to see that uh, done more where mm-hmm. you have some sort of killer 
some some danger along yep. with uh fantasy and dreams yeah sure. nightmare on elm street but you know we could do another we could do something different now yeah. absolutely and i like that cadence went in a new and unique direction mm-hmm. i like that as well uh with firebase uh, i learned that i just want to see more of neil blomkamp's independent stuff mm-hmm. like he said there are going to be five of these we have seen two give me the other three right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. same with you sure <laughs> i haven't right. seen much of it so i don't know yeah. but uh i like district nine, district nine so much that i'm uh willing to give anything he puts out mm-hmm. a chance yeah sounds good and then finally spider-man homecoming why don't you start on this one what did you learn what i learned with this is that you can have a balanced movie with humor with action and truly believe these characters if the script is right if everything if the chemistry between them works yeah and it did so i mean i want this movie to learn the lessons from the last one and not go down those pitfalls and so far so good yeah i learned that the vulture can be a compelling villain Mm -hmm. yeah yeah in more ways than one spider-man has a huge rogues gallery that we still have not seen some of them they get kind of weird mysterio chameleon uh, they're dumb is that what you're saying or they, they're they, not they quite could be interesting yeah but that's true of batman i mean the mad hatter what's he gonna do yeah yeah so <laughs> or or superman mr mixpitalik oh no he could actually do a lot oh he can do a lot oh, okay yeah fifth dimension and he's him. weak to magic right mm-hmm. okay which technically mr mix mixic is not magic he is from a from the fifth dimension but anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so for this episode, like we talked about, we talked about Cadence, talked about Firebase, we talked about Spider-Man Homecoming, and a cool article slash video about the humor in Marvel, and if it is truly hurting it, and if DC kind of had a, took a leg up with Wonder Woman not focusing so much on humor. Yeah. I mean, movies are hard to do. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> it takes many, many mm-hmm. people and many, many iterations, mm-hmm. and you have input from the studio and the director, and the actors have their own mm-hmm. take on it. It's really amazing that any of them get made at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, to take this video, which I really think people should see and, oh, yeah. and develop some opinions around, because he has some points and maybe not. Uh, it's up to you. But um, it's hard to get the tone right. And, and for much of Marvel's recent movies here, they've really gotten the tone right. I just worry about them getting too uh, into the same trench, the Joss Whedon-esque trench without uh, earning it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and that is totally valid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and makes sense. Cool. Uh, oh, so- hey, can I, can I really quick, uh, mm-hmm. a parting shot, a parting um, tip, mm-hmm. parting shot. You're mm-hmm. an a-hole. No, just kidding. Right. I was like, what? I know. Uh, there's a podcast out called The Turnaround, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I is- to it. A uh, interviewer named Jesse Thorne, who's um, who for a long time hosted The Sound of Young America, and he runs his own podcasting company called Maximum Fun and uh, has a lot of great shows on there. He decided this summer to do a series where he interviews famous interviewers. Mm-hmm. So Ira Glass, Susan Mark Orlean, Marin. Mark Marin. Um, I don't know if he gets Terry Gross on there, but he has got uh, a very talented group of interviewers and uh, even if you don't have a podcast of your own it's fascinating to hear these masters talk about what they're doing and uh, you know how much do they plan how much do they not plan 
Um, and how much time do they spend? With it? There's just a lot of great questions they answer, and I would recommend it to anybody who's interested in how it's done. Absolutely. Yeah, I will link that below. Also, it is the Turnaround podcast. Uh, so, Steve, if people agree or disagree with your opinions, where can they tell you on social media? They can find me on Twitter, at SteveBlog, on Instagram, at StandInside, or my fantastic website featuring videos from all over the world, StandInsideMedia.com. <laughs> Literally all over the world. North, south, east, west. Oh, wait, have you been to every continent so far? Not Africa. You've not been to Africa yet? No. Wow, loser. Um, <laughs> how does that feel? I've been to the Canary Islands. That's close. Mm. Okay, but it's <laughs> technically Spain. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. One day. Great. And where, where are you headed to next? Are you headed domestically or globally? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. Eastern so Canada. So Northeastern th- Canada. If you go to Maine and then you go northeast, <laughs> right before you hit Greenland, you're gonna get to Newfoundland. Well, have you been there before? No, never have. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Maybe some polar bears. Maybe not. So once you go to Newfoundland, is it then Old Foundland? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, and for this podcast, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. I really like your show. Thanks, buddy. Uh, if you want to tell people, you're a good friend. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to leave a review for the show, it will be read on the first episode of the new month. You can leave those reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe on, okay, seriously, any Podcatcher app that is out there. Except Even Podbean, the fake one. Podbean is totally real, uh, except for SoundCloud. I still am not on that. Uh, but other Skip than it. that, <laughs> other than that, you can find me uh, everywhere. So, for this episode, for episode 62, uh, I have been your host, that guy named John. And I have been this guy named Steve. Thanks for having me, John. No problem, buddy. And we will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media. Vexing Media.